Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. You are listening to the flagship audio production of Light Reading, the telecom industry's most important outlet for daily news and analysis. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading. I'm the ringmaster of this particular media circus, and I will be directing your attention to the publication's most daring acts and setting your expectations accordingly. I am joined today by my colleague and fellow editor, Kelsey Zeiser, she of the 5G Exchange, where she is curating and assembling a vast collection of marvels and curiosities in the 5G universe. But what you need to know now, dear listener, is that we have an interview planned and we will introduce our guests in but a moment. But first, Kelsey, how the heck are you? Doing well. Juggling all those 5G exchange marbles. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, it, uh, the, the, there's been quite a lot of activity over there lately. Uh, a lot of new, a lot of new content. So if you're if you're uh, hearing this and you don't know what the 5G exchange is, go to the 5GExchange.com and all will be revealed. Let's not overplug it. Let's just force them to go there. <laughs> and now let's talk to our guest. Our guest today is Ben Nirenberg. He is from uh, MNJ Technologies in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. Uh, MNJ for our audience is a managed service provider. They're uh, uh, old school. Would say we would say they were an IT shop, um, but they sell to uh, mid market companies. Uh, they're channel partners with some of the biggest names in tech, and we are going to be talking about a couple of the biggest trends in tech. Uh, ben, how the heck are you? I'm great. Pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being on. We do appreciate it. And uh, um, I guess so. We're we're talking about kind of two disparate trends today. Um, we'll be talking about uh, workplace collaboration, and uh, we'll also be talking about SD WAN. Uh, maybe we could divide those into segments. Uh, let's do workplace collaboration. This is producing on the fly, everybody. Um, we'll do workplace collaboration <laughs> first, and then we'll do uh, SD WAN in the in the second uh, second half if that works for everybody. Um, uh, Kelsey, you want to you want to start firing questions at him, and I'll just chime in as needed. Sure. Yeah. So on that note, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about with you was how do you go about creating a transparent, efficient work culture in a technologically disjointed world? There's so many more uh, people in the mobile workforce, um, so many different you know unified communications options. Um, so how do you um, shift that work culture in light of all the different technologies available and that people are um, working in such more mobile fashion? Sure. So so thanks for the great question. You know, I think the first and first thing we have to understand is that more than ever before, the role of the CIO, the role of the the chief of communications within a company or, or the chief technology officer um, is having a larger impact on creating climate and culture. Using technology, as you said, as a way to connect um, just disjointed workforces. And and we're in our industry, IT is being looked at as, as the um, team that has to help solve that, that problem. With disjointed workforce, with work from home, you get a lot of employees that feel detached. Um, not only do they feel detached, but oftentimes their ability to communicate effectively, um, communicate at the speed of the marketplace um, is, is impaired um, by that distance. And so at M&J and, and what we do with other companies is we really started to look for tools that can help bridge those gaps. And there's a lot of them out there. Um, almost every traditional collaboration tool, whether that be from Cisco or Microsoft, um, is, is looking to in a way to attack that problem, whether it be 
WebEx teams or, or Microsoft teams. You've got Slack um, as well. Um, you've got Zoom. You've got a variety of platforms that are doing this. But I think the one thing that they all miss is how do they build climate and culture? They're great from a collaboration standpoint. They're great from a communication standpoint. But how do we continue to create climate and culture through technology? Um, one of the products that we found actually that does that currently right now is a product called Workplace by Facebook. And it's um, Facebook built for um, both mid-market and enterprise size accounts. And it really is, is – um, based on the ability to connect people, the ability to bring climate and culture and technology together to create community where community couldn't be created before. Now, you guys were one of the very first um, channel partners for, for Facebook with the Workplaces uh, program, right? Or yeah. product, I guess. Sure. So, yeah, we were one of the original first three um, in terms of the traditional VAR marketplace that that formed the partnership. Um, understanding that as we as we shifted um, it, from a sales mindset uh, from problem solution to problem discovery, meaning we got at the root cause when someone said, I need a better way to collaborate, we started to understand what that meant, what was the true problem or in the discovery process. And oftentimes it was a way about bringing people together. And when we looked for a solution and we, we hooked up with uh, Workplace by Facebook, it was the perfect product to do that. Um, it sits and works right alongside in tandem with your know, current team's workflows, both for Microsoft or Cisco. But what it does, it allows connections um, in ways that you couldn't before. Um, Kelsey, you mentioned disjointed workforces. It's not only about being disjointed from a workforce. There are still plenty of uh, companies and plenty of industries where many people don't sit in front of a laptop or a computer all day, but they certainly do have their cell phone on them, right? right. So how do you create yeah. this mobile first connection, right? How is the HR department, do you communicate with employees that don't sit in front of a computer and don't check email every day, right? If you're a massive retailer like Walmart or Starbucks, how do you build community that way? And yeah. that's what Workplace by Facebook really brought to the table for us. That makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of one example. My husband works in IT for the facilities department at a university, and a lot of their folks are not, uh, like you said, at a computer, or they may have one for a group of people, but whether it's housekeeping or someone who's um, maintaining the steam plant, for example, they're not going to be at the computer all day, and so they have iPads, but then how do they manage those iPads? How do they do updates to them? Um, what if people bring in their own technology? <laughs> so right. it can become very, very complicated and um, tough to keep up with all of them. Also, you've got the tendency of, um, you know, the workforce is just getting younger and younger. So the people that are uh, coming into the workforce haven't had any experience working with computers, you know, a, a lot of them have, I mean, they know, they know their way around a computer, but for right. the most part, they're mobile first. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is interesting because the more, the more you think about it in that direction, the more I think, oh yeah, actually social media is probably better. Uh, a social media company is probably better acclimated to, uh, tapping into that mindset than say Microsoft or somebody else. They're, they're always going to come at it from the, uh, desktop slash application point of view. Although I, I will say Microsoft is is evolving their thinking on some of it, but they've also got a massive legacy of uh, products and tendencies that they've set up over the years that they have to sort of undo if they're going to be successful at that. Um, a note for the audience, uh, 
in the why the hell are we talking about this uh, category? <laughs> um, it, you know, this is another area that I think, uh, it, just like over the top video, that I think the uh, the the uh, carriers missed back in the day yeah. and never really got their head around. They were so close with uh, unified communication systems and sort of trying to uh, make the connectivity into the office mean more than just uh, the ability to deliver phone calls and conference calls. Th there was that sort of, I don't know, that little window of opportunity uh, to do, to go from what do you do, you know, beyond the conference call. Uh, and then now everybody's in a mobile workforce and they just, uh, they kind of, they kind of delivered connectivity to the mobility and then they delivered connectivity to the conference call and then they didn't really stitch the two together. And that's where I think uh, so many companies have come up with ways to just get into um, that that other part of connectivity, which is the culture, you know, the sort of making it part of part of what you do every day. Um, now I'm just totally leaving out our guest, Ben, sorry about that. Um, no. When you're uh, going to a company, uh, let's, let's take this question and then we'll go to break. Um, when you're going to a company and saying, I have a great solution for you uh, to connect all your employees, it's Facebook. Um, what, what's the reaction or what's, you know, do, do enterprises have a particular uh, feeling one way or the other uh, once, once you're sort of introducing uh, the, the solution to the problem that they're seeking? Yeah, absolutely. So first, we, like you said, we, we start on doing that discovery piece, understanding uh, where their issues lie. But the first time you say Facebook, um, you get two very visceral reactions, right? You get those that are completely immersed and love it and are great. And then yeah. you get those that um, go way to the other extreme and like, no way, not secure. How do we control it? What are we doing? Am I opening up Pandora's box? Um, so depending upon which one of those two um, very diverse um, views or thought processes you have, we then proceed accordingly about understanding that workplace is a standalone product, understanding the security measures that we have in place, the recordings we have in place, but then also understanding the value that it can bring and what it could do. Um, training alone is huge. Uh, as you said, even the millennial workforce, they grew up on Google Docs. They did not grow up right. on Microsoft, right, as an application yeah. tool. Um, most people, um, if you look at it, uh, Facebook has the most users across the globe, right? No other application or platform has that. So that training component alone is a solution to the problem where you don't have to retrain people on how to use it. But then once we really do start to get into the power of communication, of building climate and culture, even the power on bringing products to market or solving problems within their own company quicker. Um, it's pretty amazing when you look at Starbucks as a test case, when they gave this to all of their baristas, their ability to bring custom drinks and understand the impact across their stores and, and what the demand was gonna be, it cut down by a quarter the amount of time it took from an idea to get on the main menu. Um, so it really does actually also have an impact to the bottom line. Yeah, if you can come up with new Starbucks drinks faster, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to push back on that at all. Um, no, it's it's a good it's a good uh, analogy too because the, uh, the, that's a perfect example of a workforce that must be connected at all times, but can't be connected in that traditional office way. And that's where I think things like this really excel. And it is it is like I said, it, it is interesting to me that the traditional wireless carriers haven't. Um, haven't completely owned that market 
um, that, that, that it was up to social media to kind of come in and do that. Now let's talk about um, kind of another market that they're getting into more and more. And that is uh, actually a massive demand generator for uh, a, a lot of what they do. Uh, we'll talk about SD-WAN, but first uh, let's uh, take a short break. We will be right back on the Light Reading Podcast. Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I am joined by Kelsey Zeiser. Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Phil. <laughs> I'm also, uh, our guest today is Ben Nirenberg from uh, MNJ Technologies out of Buffalo Grove, Illinois. Hello, Ben. Hello. Um, is Buffalo Grove close to Chicago? It's the it only is. thing I know in Illinois. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's 25 uh, minutes northwest of the great city of Chicago. Okay, so I can call it not Naperville, and that's close enough, right? Yeah, definitely okay. not. <laughs> uh, back in the day, we had an optical networking company called Telabs that we covered in Naperville, and I think there's a, I think, I think one of the big uh, optical conglomerates is still based there. But uh, we we called Naperville, not Chicago, so that was that was it. Yeah. That, that, that's our that's our very limited understanding of geography. <laughs> we called it, North Carolina, which is where I am, not. South Carolina, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. We're the better Sorry. Carolina. Define yourself by what you're not. Um, okay, well, let's get into SD-WAN, shall we? Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit about uh, work culture and unified communications and also wanted to get your thoughts on um, how the SD-WAN market and that conversation is changing. Uh, how do you think SD-WAN is changing both infrastructure, so the LAN and WAN, and also customer experience for enterprises? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we look at SD-WAN, it really sits in the center of everything that's happening today in the technology landscape. Um, when you look at the move from on-prem um, call managers and on-prem phone systems to UCAS, um, platforms. You look at the hybrid cloud workflow um, movement, the movement to both public cloud and infrastructure and a service, or even security um, in the cloud, uh, desktop management in the cloud, disaster recovery and backup. SD-WAN really sits in the middle of all these trends. And at the end of the day, what it does is it helps improve the overall customer experience. Um, if you're a lever, layer seven application built in the cloud, the ability for that layer seven application to work wherever and whenever, to not have lag and not have jitter, um, is paramount in the overall end user customer experience. Some of that may just be found that a call not physically dropping on a, on a UCAS platform or being on a live video stream and um, it keeping up with your voice. Um, right. SD-WAN is the enablement piece to all of that. And, and how does it do that? It allows you to direct traffic um, to the right um, bandwidth, to the right circuit. It becomes the ways of, of the way our packets flow. Um, and so it's changing the way we look at it. But more than that, I, I think what we, we talk about is it's giving customers control back of the WAN, where they had no control before. And that's the power. By giving them control back, by allowing um, them to control what happens um, through SD-WAN, it allows overall for a better end-user customer experience um, in all of those trends and what we're seeing out there. Yeah, that's definitely something that we've been hearing a lot of is um, that movement toward the managed and or co-managed approach where 
uh, customers have the capability to make some real-time changes to their SD-WAN service uh, with dashboards and also have more visibility into uh, their applications, their traffic management, um, and any issues may arise um, and make some changes, but without breaking anything major. <laughs> right. I mean, look, prioritization is a key. Uh, you know, if you're a call center, you need voice to be your number one priority in terms of the way that data travels uh, across circuits. And so, you know, it gives you the ability um, to very easily prioritize that type of traffic, uh, whether that be, like I said, a layer seven application, voice, or any other type of data. In the um, uh, for the good of the order, for those who don't know, um, how many SD WAN providers uh, is MNJ working with uh, in terms of uh, you know be, the the channel partner arrangements and stuff like that? Because I think that's important too, because it is a it is a very competitive market, and I think people need to know that like when they when they go shopping for this, that they're not just going to be given one vendor point of view, that type of thing. Yeah, it's it's competitive and fluid, I would tell you, um, ever evolving and changing. We quickly um, early on realized that we could not tie ourselves to one SD-WAN provider. That's simply because not all SD-WAN is created equal and not all SD-WAN is the same. So for MNJ, we have over seven different OEM uh, partnerships and or relationships where we manage and resell those products, understanding that as we start to do problem discovery and uncover the most important needs or demands of the customer um, and in the way it affects that customer experience, the end user experience, um, the different SD-WAN products handle everything differently. And we wanted to make sure we were selling um, not the solution that we had, but the solution that best fit the customer. And in order for us to do that, uh, like I said, we we have, we sell, manage, and have in our um, customer experience center seven different SD-WAN products. Are there also within those products um, tiered services? I've heard of some um, uh, service providers that are offering SD-WAN will offer sort of a basic package, and then there might be like the concierge or the white glove treatment. Um, are those some options that you have for your customers as well? Sure, absolutely. We have three different tiers of our managed service program, um, and also the three different tiers in, in what we manage, right? Do we manage just the SD-WAN appliance? Are we managing the appliance and the, the diverse path circuits that are also going into that appliance so we don't have that finger pointing game? And on each level, uh, we go from strictly a monitoring and alerting all the way up to white glove, fully managed, full ticket remediation um, on, on both product and circuit. I want to see one of these things where the people actually do show up at the uh, office wearing white gloves. <laughs> I would just, that would just be, uh, uh, I don't know, a little visual fun, but uh, uh, I don't know who that would benefit other than me. It would just be funny. Would you like some champagne with your SD-WAN? That's right. <laughs> well, we usually bring the SD-WAN appliance on a silver platter with a towel. Uh, so yeah. Do you do that little, uh, that little reveal? Like, uh, <laughs> like just open up the silver platter and everybody's like, oh, why? That's great. That's that beautiful looks wonderful. Yes. Yeah, I can totally see our applications running on that thing. That's great. <laughs> I think it's more exciting than seeing multiple ports. <laughs> <laughs> now, nothing will ever get lost. There's so many places to go. Anyway, um, it's uh, uh, no, it's it's interesting that you you mentioned this, the, the not selling the product you have, but the best solution because you're you're in a pretty um, 
interesting market because mid-market companies have both, you know, that small business mentality to them, but they also are obviously, um, you know, in a, a large enough business that they can't make mistakes and start over every, every so many months, you know, they can't, they can't afford it, uh, uh, restarts on, on things. So, so it has to be sort of enterprise grade at the same time. Um, do you find that there's a, uh, a particular, uh, set of characteristics or, or something about your channel partners that sort of works with those kinds of companies better than, than others? Cause I, cause what you said about SD-WAN rings true. There, there are some d- systems that are designed simply for, um, SMBs and no one else. And then there's others that are designed for fortune 500s and then you know i I, i'm I'm wondering in the middle um you know what what sort of fits that middle market yeah so certainly when when we look at the middle there's a couple of um key components um number one some of it is a pure cost play right when you look at a company needing um two right now possibly having two um mpls circuits right from the carriers running into their office one is completely active and the other one is just in case, right? And, and unless they use it, that money gets thrown out the window day in and, and day out. Um, so some of this for them is a part of, well, we're already paying for it. How can we leverage it better, right? To create a better customer experience. Some of it is is talking about um, from a cost reduction standpoint, right? Where we can get better hardware, save money on the WAN and create a better experience um, and a better um, opportunity for us to be more successful in in what we do. I, I think the other thing that it does more than than almost anything, especially as a managed service, is as you guys know, our IT professionals um, are being tasked and spending way too much time on I would call non-value added services, right? Password resets, Microsoft 365 issues. Right. <laughs> My circuit's down. Let me stay online with the carrier for an hour on hold. Right? These are things that 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 aren't value added, and they're not spending enough time on how do I create a better customer experience. How do I improve climate and culture? How do I give a better phone experience to my call center? And so what we believe and what we've come to find is SD-WAN in the mid-market where IT professionals are tasked even more. It allows them to focus on the value-added services they can bring to the organization, while SD-WAN as a managed service provider, we can focus on those non-value-added services um, that that allows them to, to pivot on what they're doing. And that's pretty powerful in the mid-market. Also wanted to get your thoughts on any predictions for the SD-WAN market in 2020. We've been hearing for a couple of years now that there should be some vendor consolidation, but I've heard there's 30, 40, up to 70 vendors. <laughs> so it's still a pretty crowded market. Um, uh, but in in light of that, um, also wanted to ask you why it was important for about a year ago, um, Oracle purchased Talari. Um, so how, how is that important and, and any other uh, consolidations that we might see? Sure. Well, so so certainly Oracle wasn't the first big fortune, you know, 50 mm-hmm. company to, to buy an SD-WAN. You know, VMware did it. Um, obviously, both AT&T and Verizon have very strong relationships with two large SD-WAN um, providers. Cisco did it with Viptela. Um, so Oracle was just kind of one of those in line um, with it. Um, so I'll address the Oracle piece first, then we'll talk about, you know, what do we see in 2020. Um, Oracle was unique in that it was the first pure cloud provider to purchase an SD-WAN um, company. And the question became why? 
I think that's where for both myself and the industry, it's solidified that SD-WAN really is about customer experience. Oracle um, and Oracle Communications purchased, um, and I believe, Talari because they wanted to improve the overall customer experience for their cloud customers. And SD-WAN does just that, as we've talked about um, earlier in, in this segment. So that leads us to, well, well, what do we do in this sea of 30, right? Well, let's first start with, is it really 30? And I said earlier, not all SD-WAN <laughs> is created equal. Um, right. I tell you, while there's 30 people who claim they do SD-WAN, if we looked at true inherent, what we believe SD-WAN to be, I don't think that number is that high. Mm -hmm. As we look for 2020, I think we see two, two things. Number one, um, larger and larger adoption rate for, for customers. Um, but we're also past that kind of, uh, if we look at that 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 hyperscaler, we're past that early adoption, right? We're now really in a lot of mainstream. I'm not selling the values of SD-WAN. We're really getting down to which is the best product. Mm -hmm. I think too, I think you have to see some contraction and consolidation. Um, I think there is just too many players all going after the same customers. And so you really are going to start to see whether it's combining intellectual property technology um, or other companies wanting to get into that play, um, some of the bigger OEMs with the big pockets. Um, I think you're going to have you're going to see some consolidation and some and some purchases as well uh, in 2020 for sure. I think there's no way around that. Yeah, I think having that many vendors also makes it really challenging for enterprises to see like, what are the um, big differences. And it seems like that's also a challenge for uh, vendors in differentiating themselves um, in, in such a crowded market. Sure. I, let, we're all smart enough to say the stuff that the people want to hear, right? <laughs> we're all saying the same thing inherently. The way we behave and act is, is what's different, right? So when we talk about problem discovery, truly doing the right type of discovery uh, it's a different action not just a diff not just me saying it when we get customers that come into our our SD-WAN uh, uh, demo lab or customer experience lab i would tell you f at least half the time they come in wanting one product and they leave deciding against another because they're not reading specs on a sell sheet they're seeing live how these products work mm -hmm. and react and and it's not a, a marketing slick that's telling them how that behaves Right. right. It's, it's a it's a live call. It's a live video. It's a layer seven application that they see what happens. It's the way they can remediate problems or identify where the issues are and how quickly that ha happens. When you put them in that type of environment, it really does change um, that buying cycle and quite frankly, shorten it and make customers feel much more comfortable. Yeah. When you say marketing slick, you're talking about a brochure, not actually a guy, you know, that's like, like, hey, how you doing? Hey. Grease back hair. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. If I had enough hair, I'd slick it back. <laughs> I do not. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, I do appreciate uh, the, the insight. I also think that this is I mean, this is where, you know, the um, managed service provider really shines is these kinds of markets where it's a confusing technology market. There's way more vendors than there are um, uh, seemingly, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, good good choices, I guess. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, different customer sets and just a lot of education that needs to happen. And I think that, that uh, you know, managed service providers, if they pick if they pick their vendors carefully, their channel partners carefully, and then they target their, you know, uh, their end customer carefully, they can really stand out in this space. Um, so I, I, I predict that's where, you know, so, some of these uh, SD-WAN products will really catch on is by going through companies like MNJ and sort of, uh, you know, re reaching the right, the right market for what they do.
Right. A absolutely. We got to remember, and I said it earlier, um, the, for, for, for the IT professional, the world lives at the edge now, right? Yeah. It's not within your four walls of your data center, because oftentimes your data center doesn't any, any longer sit within your four walls. Mm -hmm. And you have some combination of workloads or applications sitting in both private and public cloud, and your ability to control, um, to service, and to create a better experience with the flow of that data is more omnipresent now than it's ever been. And so as an MSP in in what is a um, industry that is is looking for more talent and overtasked, um, it's like you said, the perfect spot to be in, in help making them look good and build their brand within their own company. All right, we will leave it right there. Uh, thank you, uh, Ben Nirenberg from MNJ Technologies for your time and insight today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, Kelsey, thanks very much for uh, doing what you do and saying what you said. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, thanks to our production crew, Pierre and Tien, as they are often left uh, sweeping up the spotlight. Uh, thanks to you, dear listener, because if you weren't paying attention, we wouldn't be able to get to do all of this at work. And everyone, please tell a friend to subscribe. Let's bring a few more people into the big top, and we will see you next time on the Light Reading Podcast. Bye.